That's right, Fraser's wounded, but we are not. We are here for another fabulous edition of Sideshow Fraser. If you haven't listened yet, this is a podcast about Fraser and one other TV show from the same broadcast week in history. We do a lot of these different things. It's hosted by me, Steve Shackelford, and uh, a guy who's got something in his hand over there looks like bourbon. Uh, I'm going to say that's bourbon in a water bottle, maybe. Jordan Wilson. It's my style, baby. That's how I roll. You know, that intro gives me Beavis and Butthead vibes. It, it's like a rip of Are You Ready for Some Football mixed with the Saved by the Bell theme. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, what was the one you said? Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. That one's a good one. Yeah. I wish, I wish Beavis and Butthead would come back with the music videos. They do. Well, not the, the old new- one. I don't think you can find the old originals with the MTV aired music videos in them legitimately because the licensing, the licensing rights have just changed. So what was allowed to be showed via MTV in 1993 or four? But I mean, they still watch because I just watched some people's butthead. They still watch. They still watch videos. I guess maybe they changed. You watch the out. new ones? No, no, the old ones. I think you watch the old ones. Yeah, from a legitimate source. I mean, maybe it was the new ones. I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I guess maybe I it was what the new network ones. released the new ones. Paramount, I think it Paramount. was it Paramount yeah. Plus? Oh well, hey, uh, Paramount Plus. Uh, we're always here to talk about Frasier or the Frasier reboot, revival, whatever we want to call it. New Frasier. Um, so find Frasier. Frasier Part Two. Frasier Part Two. Part Two. Yeah. Did they have Paramount Plush? Can you get like little plushies? Oh, that's I. I would totally buy one of those Paramount a Paramount Plush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would buy a Paramount hoodie. I didn't know that people called them plushies until I had kids. Oh, yeah. The plushie market is huge. I just always called it a stuffed animal. Yeah, a stuffed animal. Like, even if it wasn't an animal. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like I'd call them teddy bears, even if they weren't teddy bears. I'd be like, ah, yeah. I mean, stuffed animal does seem more encompassing. So I I did probably use stuffed animal a little bit more. You're right. Stuffed animal. (laughs) Sounds almost like those things that you put on the wall, though. Like a taxidermied mm-hmm. kind of animal, you know, like would a you ever, stuffed animal. Would you ever, you know, do some taxidermy? Good Con- God, consider no. getting your pets taxidermied and oh, so that's just terrible. My wife, I wa- would taxidermy <laughs> myself when I'm dead. Um, God, and that's then, creepy. I don't, I don't know if there's any services that provide that. There better of- be. <laughs> if there's not, I'm inventing them now. Man, there should be. There's a that is a opportunity, my friends. Human taxidermy, Jesus. I'm sure it exists in some countries. It's like mummification, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh. What do you know about mummies? Ooh. Um, everything that I've learned about mummies comes directly from Scooby Doo. So I know that I know that mummies uh, they make like a whoop, 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 sound when they run. Okay. Uh, and they're they definitely just are just to- they always have a toilet paper roll that's connected to their legs as they run. You know what I mean? And and it's always like too much wrapping. That's what I was gonna say. Seems like it's easy to undo mm-hmm. the toilet paper roll yeah. on the mummy. Yeah. I don't see why more people don't just go with that as your first tactic. Or just, like, 
let's just try to unwrap this guy. Just grab him and let him. I, I've seen scenes like that where you just grab it and hold it and then let him run and then he just unravels. That's probably the best way to do it. It might get creepy mm-hmm. underneath. I don't know what's under there. I mm-hmm. think they've opened up some of those mummy tombs and it like opens a curse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get cursed. You you get you get cursed with all sorts of testicular diseases and okay. stuff. Well, I don't well, then women should be fine. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that that's why that's why specific mo- curse. Yep, and that's why most of the best Egyptologists are indeed in fact women. I think that checks out. Yep. Uh, so Fraser is also a noted doctor, not quite an Egyptologist, but he is a medical doctor that is on the radio now. I think he does uh, psychiatry. Yes, that yeah. is pro- is his profession. That's what I've heard. <laughs> so this is episode ten. We're going to be looking at today here. It's called Oops. There is no all berries after this. It's just oops, which really <laughs> disappointed me. I was like, seen, seemed like an opportunity. Is that here. where your mind goes when you see, hear the word oops? Like your mind just goes all berries immediately? How could it not? Mine it's got to be oops all something. Mine's definitely in, rooted for some reason in Britney Spears. Okay, she did, I did do it, it again. She did it yeah, again. Yeah, that's right. She did do it again. Good for her. Good for Britney. She did it again. Uh, actually, no, I don't follow her. I think she's, you know, she's not doing well all the time, but I'm, I wish her the best of luck for everything. That's I don't follow along, but I will see stuff randomly. I hope she's doing okay. Yes. Uh, I think the world might've ruined her and pop music in general, unfortunately is a rough scene. So uh, tough, but Frazier noted pop music fan as well. This episode <laughs> aired historically on Thursday, November 18th, one week, uh, 1993, one week before Jordan's birthday. He wasn't born in 93, though, but... No, I mean, that's, that is one day before my birthday. Yeah, November 18th. I was like, tell me I didn't get this wrong. This will be embarrassing. This is not a bit, actually. I was about to say, you know my birthday, yeah. This, this I guess, would be one week before my birthday, because what, I mean, my birthday is the is the 19th. You said one week. I you said mean one, one day. day. <laughs> No, a minute roll ago you said, well, I will roll it back because I was about to sing that dumb bare naked lady <laughs> song. I was like, it's been. I was like, wait, no, it hasn't been one week. Hold on a moment. He's wrong. <laughs> it has not been one week. Uh, our sideshow this week, though, is an episode of Murphy Brown. Hmm. That's right. Jordan, you watched a lot of Murphy Brown when you were uh, eight, nope. nine years old because you were still eight at this point. I think you would. Turn I was about nine. to turn nine that next very day, Man. that very next day. Incredible. So eight years old, almost nine. Wow. You were watching Murphy Brown. Oh, no, though, I would have huh? been. Yeah, I would have been turning nine. Yeah. yeah, turning nine. Yep. Um, so Murphy Brown, I remember being on as a kid, but I, I could not come up with the names of these characters until I watched it back. I, was like, I, had, I couldn't other than Murphy. You know, the set on that show reminded me a lot of, a, of other shows. It might've been news radio. It might've been like, uh, like just shoot me a little bit. Yeah. The, it, specifically in their office that they were in. It just reminded me of like some other set of some other show that I had watched more. I think than that one. What was that Brooke Shields one we used to watch years ago? <sighs> Surprising Susan or something random. Suddenly, Suddenly Susan. Susan. Is that a show? I think that's a show. All right. Keep talking about Brooke Shields. I don't know anything else about Brooke Shields. I just remember this weird period where I was like, is there a Brooke Shields show on around Frasier and syndication? And it was like Blind Date came on like right after that or something. Did Kelsey Grammer date Brooke Shields? No. Oh. Um, but the show Blind Date with all the little like pop-ups and stuff like that. Oh, and people I'm would go to hot tubs randomly. Very well aware of what. Yes, yeah. absolutely. As I said, these are all shows all of the same ilk here. Uh, Blind Date, Frasier, Murphy Brown. 
suddenly Susan. They're all right in there. I think they're all equivalents. <laughs> they're all equals. Um, you know, I think they're right around. God, why'd you have to mention Blind Date? That's not on anything. I can't watch that anywhere. I don't think so. I think all those people were like, I no longer agree to letting you like, show this on Please don't air. show this on air anymore. <laughs> yeah. This is a bad time in my life. That show was great for a while, to be honest with you. Like the formatting and the and like whatever production company they had doing that stuff was amazing. That was like right at the emergence of like reality TV yeah. to agree or sorry, to a degree. Um, but those people, I think, were really the forefront of like reality dating where they're like, sure, I'll just get set up on something kind of like a video dating service, but I guess they're going to film it. And that's what it was. And then, man, half the time they were in hot tubs making out oh, by the end of the night. Blind Date was the greatest. And those little, those little, little facts. that popped up. <laughs> exactly. And there were like little countdowns would be like, and the, and the date goes wrong in five, four, that, three. <laughs> let's see how many times this guy mentions his motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, time number eight. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, and I was riding my hog across <laughs> the state. Like, There's number nine. And you're like, oh, man, this show's incredible. Oh. That's why I think people were like, no. I thought I was getting signed up for a video dating service, and then you put a bunch of graphics on the screen. This is completely misrepresenting and me. Just ripping me apart here. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Any, I, if anybody's let's go out try there, to find those. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Let's find the old ones. And if anybody out there has the power, bring those bitches back because that was great. Please bring those back. <laughs> All right. In this episode of Frasier, oops, uh, Frasier has told a rumor that one of the KACL on air staff is getting fired. Dun, dun, dun. When sportscaster Bob Bulldog Briscoe is called into a meeting with management, Frazier assumes the rumor is true and accidentally reveals it to him. Not intentionally here. That's very important. It's true. So, uh, as a result of this, Bulldog quits. Quits the station. While Frazier learns that Bulldog's job was actually safe the whole time. <laughs> he should have known this. Um, as the episode plays out, you're like, yeah, all right. Um... Feeling guilty and feeling pressure from Martin, Frazier decides to go to the station manager and beg for Bulldog's job back, only to learn the rumor was true, and it was actually Frazier who was about to be fired. <sighs> so a wild episode. I know we gave away a lot right there, but it was a wild one. It's one of my favorites just because you meet a lot of new people, I feel like. so We see who else works at the station. Right. That's it. The cast kind of expands just a little bit, and... The formatting was a little different. Far fewer scenes in this one or far fewer locations. It seems like all the scenes were extended a little bit more. And is it just a different kind of episode? I enjoyed it. So first off, we start at Cafe Nervosa where Maris has been preparing for a production of Cats. (laughs) I know nothing about Cats, man. Other than the 90s when like Letterman would have the people on and there would be people dressed as cats in the Letterman studio. Yeah, That's about all I know. But... he play, He makes a direction about the song Memory or something like that. Is that a song you know from that production? Of course. Give me a little bit of it. So it's, you remember on the movie Big when Tom Hanks sings the oh, song Memory? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. That's now, that song. Gotcha. See, it's, I didn't Memory know my name. Memory at the at corner, corner of, of my mind. mind. Scattered pictures. Yes. Is that it? Something Scattered like, pictures. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Lovitz is like peering over the cubicle yes, next to him. Yeah. And, <laughs> Well, he performs essentially a hostage call or something like that. I was like, probably not the best line to do that from on your work line necessarily. What a fucking work of art that movie was. Jesus. They should have given Lovitz a little bit more to do. Oh, man. So just a couple more scenes where like maybe he got promoted because Tom Hanks like dug him or something like that. Once Tom Hanks went to VP, he was like, this guy. 
and there's maybe Bring like a bloody storyline. Sure. Yeah. They should have. You're right. That would have been a great addition to this to to the you know to the main core of the cast of that it, film. It feels like him hanging with Lovitz in Billy would be a little bit more fun than just him hanging <laughs> with just Billy in Big. So this is a Fraser side big uh podcast yes. today. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh cool. Now I know what memory is. Um but Niles complains about how his allergies are acting up. Did they use real cat wait. hair? Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I got to go back. The, I, I'm wrong. That's not that song. Oh, God. I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta, I've got to go back. It's not that song. So memory from no, that's not memory from cats. That's that's some other song that's like called <laughs> memories. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm wrong. Uh, memories. You know that song, right? That's I, memories. I know the melody, right? I would not have been able to pick up the the lyric line yeah. in that one. I said, I unless don't you're a musical a theater fan, yeah. Cats is hard to get through, bud. That's what cracks it. It gets such bad reviews, but I'm always like, it looked so cool when I was mm. a kid. I was like, it was like, look at this costume. The music's cool. Yeah, I was like, the music's look. really cool. Honestly, like, uh, uh, I forget the. I mean, there's people out there guaranteed that know everything about Cats, but. I taught musical theater at a school for a while, and uh, we had to do some songs from Cats, and I can't remember. It's like, I can't remember what the song's called, but there's one that's, that is hard as shit, and uh, trying to get like third graders to sing it was a feat. <laughs> <laughs> I ate at a Cats deli one time. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, that's the same thing. Gotcha. Uh, and the reviews were good. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought it was okay. A, I thought that was a production of Cats. Yeah, that's what I thought. Great, I, I went there. I saw that. Great Reuben. <laughs> oh, outstanding. Piled high on that Reuben. You kidding me? It'll hurt your mouth. So good, it'll hurt the roof of your mouth, Jordan. <laughs> I've been told. So some of the KACL staff shows up, and we meet Teddy, who's an engineer, and Chopper Dave. So uh, for some reason... Teddy goes and gets the coffee for everyone. That's very nice. He's an engineer, not an intern or a production assistant. So he doesn't necessarily have to do that for the on-air talent. Sure. But I guess he went ahead and did it. Because you see him bring his coffee to Chopper Dave in a second. You're like, get your own dang coffee, Chopper Dave, or somebody walk over there. Teddy's trying to work his way up. Yeah, Teddy's not on air yet. Yeah, so Teddy being a good... I don't think engineers are often poised to go on air. You don't think so? They're not trying to work their way up? Producers are what are working their way up. Producers are on air. Engineers are just working on the equipment. That's true. That's the thing. Like, they're... I mean, they... You can sub, you know submit tickets to them for like, hey, this microphone's broken or right. something like that. But they're—I don't think most of the time they're trying to get on air. Or if they are, the path is hard. Did you recognize that actor, Teddy? I did. Yeah, I recognize him from. Was he in Swingers? Was he in a? Uh, probably. I said I forget what the, guy the main that role is. that you would know him from was The Office. Oh, okay. That thing I was like, I don't know the actor's name, yeah. but he was definitely a '90s guy. Where I was like, oh, this cat's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah he was Martin on The Office, the guy that was the, oh. the, <laughs> the guy that they tried okay. to figure out who went to prison, who was who was an okay. ex-con. That's probably where I know him yeah. from. I was like, I feel like he's familiar. He may not be the dude in Swingers. I haven't looked that guy up in a while, but there was one cat that was always super cool and wore hats that I was like, man, I could never pull off. Oh, the that guy hat. that looks like the Seven Up dude. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I know that guy. It's not Orlando. Uh, God, I forget that Orlando's last name too. Gosh, he was in an episode of Freaks and Geeks as well. That guy that you're referencing. Okay, yeah. 
I only remember Dave Gruber Allen or whatever, the long-haired counselor. All those other <laughs> actors I don't think went on to do anything. No, none of them. I, I don't think they did not much a, from Freaks and Geeks. Not a single one from Freaks and Geeks went on to do anything. I don't think those creators, anything. That, yeah. none of those guys. I don't think they ever did anything. Nobody man. gained any fame or any ground. Yeah, so it's Dave Gruber Allen, and that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guy. That's who I hitched my wagon to. Uh, so... After they show up, we we get a funny gag about Chopper Dave yelling a lot. Yep. I don't know that this is true, but it does make sense. Do helicopter pilots in general talk louder, or did they not because they're not going on air? Well, I've here, never met a here's the helicopter guy. Here's the thing. So when those guys get in a helicopter, they're wearing like sound-canceling headphones to, of which they can communicate with everybody else. So I would imagine... Uh, at least they were on the movie Jurassic Park. So I would I would imagine true that, story. <clears throat> I would imagine that that uh, would protect your ears. So it would lead one to believe that Chopper Dave does not. He just says he just says fuck it to the protocol, He's and he full just of it. he just goes. He is full of it. Does man. he report the traffic, or is he just the guy oh, that? Yeah. No, I would admit, yeah, no, Chopper Dave. So is he flying and reporting? A lot of those people did that in no. the 90s. Yeah, that was a thing because it's just more efficient. Um, Hardcore. Like, hey, if you can just go fly around traffic. And just tell us what's up. Yeah, and tell us what's up, man. We're going to put a little headset on you there. And- I always imagined that it was like a guy like leaning out the side. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> okay. The, and, then the, and then the helicopter pilot is driving. Yeah, and see... In Dallas, I remember it was Chip Wagner it was up Chip there, Wagner. and I don't—he was definitely not flying. But in the '90s, I think dudes flew and reported, but wow. maybe not. That does seem unsafe. But at a radio station, I don't know that they have a budget for a full-time chopper guy. Yeah, they, like, so they just get the pilot to do it. Yeah, hmm. I, mean, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> it's a funny gag, though. It is a funny enough gag. <laughs> uh, Niles leaves on a joke, so Niles is there. Like I said, he's complaining about cats, uh, but. He leaves it to KACL staff pretty quick and leaves on a joke about filling out name tags for a seminar on multiple personalities, <laughs> which as that's clearly the writers just having fun. They're like, that feels like a Bob Newhart joke or yeah. whatever, you know, like, okay, what's kind of some of the psychiatry humor that we can use here? And that's tried and tested basically like, right. Like the what's about Bob bit where it's like, you ever heard that joke? And I like, uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm a schizophrenic, and so am I. You know, it's something like, you know, just like dumb, dumb kind of psychiatric sure. jokes. Sure. Like, all right, all right. Um, but the radio team, there's some hot goss, man. There's some hot tea, man. They got some tea. Oh my gosh, they, they. I think it's Roz leading the charge. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who says it first. That hey, budget talks are going on somebody's getting the axe. I think it might have been Chopper Dave, which was funny because he's like saying it too loud. Yeah, that's a constant gag they play (laughs) up is that when something is supposed to be hush-hush or intimate in a setting, (laughs) Chopper Dave will blow it up as a loud guy. And I guess you saw this with people. Did Will Ferrell do a character who can't control the volume of his voice? Uh, Who did that bit on SNL? The like... I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. Oh, that's that's Austin Powers. Well, he does it a little bit too. I feel like he lifted it from somewhere. But yeah, I think so. It is Austin Powers when they do it coming out of the cryo tank. <laughs> I feel like there was a whole set, a whole sketch about that somewhere. Chopper Dave off. does. It, I think. But yeah, he's a, the original. He's the OG. Well, I was going to say he he gives an Austin Powers reference, didn't he? No, it's ninety three. Austin Powers is ninety nine. Oh, must have been something else that I was watching then. Yeah, no. <laughs> 
I, I, thought, I thought John Bernie was like, yeah, baby. Yeah, okay. Well, if he did, that was That's unintentional. True, uh, yeah, Jordan was watching timelines. season 11 last night, I guess, <laughs> of Frasier. Because no, there are no Austin Powers references in 1993. My mistake. I might have been a casual Mike Myers reference. He was on the air on SNL, so it might have been something. They were on the same network, so I mean, to, you never know. Hard to juggle the timelines. <laughs> it is tricky sometimes. So Frazier's kind of upset about the gossip. Like, hey, you guys shouldn't be talking behind people's backs. These are people's, you know, these are people's careers. It's not really professional to do that. And Ross reminds him, and this is quite true, unfortunately. <laughs> The gossip is the lifeblood of the corporate world, and that's how everyone knows each other's salaries, <laughs> which when you get into larger corporate environments and manage teams, that is 100% a thing where oh, people yes. will set up almost like a spreadsheet to compare each other's salaries, which is fine if they wish to do so. Doesn't really take into context what the company's position was when these people were hired <laughs> and their skill sets prior to joining the company, but... Be that as it may, once they're all doing the same job, they do often want a some kind of fair pay clause. So radio talent, I don't think falls into that, though. Radio talent is driven by numbers more so than like just job completion. Right. It's like ratings and, yeah. you know, your ad backing. and Correct. That's what's tricky. Whereas like I, I can see it from Roz's perspective as a producer, but even still, I think a lot of your ultimate like your salary negotiation abilities come down to can you produce ratings in some way shape or form so it's it's a weird combo for radio people to have i was like corporate environments absolutely oh, yeah. i see it all the time it happens at tech <clears throat> companies it's all it's all fine mm -hmm. um but chopper dave thinks father mike is gonna get canned for some reason makes a lot of sense to me uh i don't see I mean, the the show is specific to one type of demographic, so Father Mike probably would not connect with uh, many of the listeners who do not you know, just identify as one particular religion, more sure. than likely. So Father Mike seems like a good candidate to me. Yeah, it's just kind of whittling it down to all, you know the small group of Catholics, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, and like we we definitely have like Sunday morning church programming here in Texas. Of I don't know if that goes national. Like, I don't, I mean, not the Texan ones, obviously, yeah. but I don't know if every state has Sunday morning church programming like we do, or if that's exists in other countries, but it's here. So I'd imagine that's what was rolling out in Seattle was some Sunday morning. Maybe show. father Mike had like a mega church. Well, this I'm confused about like how much is father Mike on the air? Does he do a daily show? Jeez. It's just like, what does he talk about daily? And I, I I mean, it's fine. It just, I don't see how it fits the format of the station other than like, yeah, we'll burn a couple hours on letting Father Mike do his thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe he's got advertisers. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, um, Bulldog pulls a bit about losing his Sonics ticket, <laughs> our classic, you know, this is bullshit. What the hell is there? Sorry. Total BS. Total I'm BS. Sorry. My mistake, guys. I'm sorry. I went working blue. This sucks. Yeah, I love when he, I love when he punches sucks. That's the, <laughs> the greatest thing. And that's the second time so far in the series that I we've think, seen him right? do it. Yeah. So I thought they would have actually latched on sooner. I don't know how many bulldog appearances we've had, but maybe this is only his third. I think it's his third. Okay. Yeah. So I, maybe they didn't do it last time, but clearly a catchphrase or kind of his gag. You know. How did they find out? if the audience likes a character on a show like in 93 focus groups just focus groups yeah. so you bring in people and you're like and and so then 
I mean, that's not really great information, I guess, but you bring in what, 15 people and you're like, you, you don't like them. You do, you don't, you don't. And then you say you do what? 10 focus groups. And that's a, there would portion. be, there would be meters as well in radios. Yeah. So that is all identified by like, who is the owner of this radio based on what we know. And you're not going to know what public or, you know, personally identifiable information, but radio ratings will tie into like demographics because they want to know where are we selling our advertiser base. No, so, I don't mean for the, I don't mean for like in the realm of oh, Frasier. I mean like the, the character TV. of Bulldog. Oh, that would be, for I would imagine the same kind same of thing. Shit. Yeah, okay. exactly. they've got ratings in place that like, hey, homes that have four people in them. Yeah, watch it for longer so we would assume which characters do you like and which exactly ones don't and then you they like? survey people and do focus groups but mm. honestly i don't know what i've i think it's probably more show dependent for a while and then they because they didn't have social media so fan mail maybe wow fan mail seems so archaic it does but i mean fan clubs were probably a big deal back then just because it was so much harder to communicate and see people now mm. in the social media realm like I think you can just go follow Dan Butler on Twitter or right. something like that. We're like, oh, well, there he is. I don't need to do anything. Right. Um, There's so, a comment here that says that people that that they love your work on Frasier. Or something, you know? Yeah. So I remember <clears throat> fan mail like being a big deal when like this is dumb, but like my old man had like was managing some dude on some country music station or uh-huh. something like that, and like we don't have to send in fan mail. Driving around to different post boxes all over town and putting in these like fake postcards that say play more of this guy or something. So he was juicing the numbers. That's right, buddy. Wow. And so I would imagine there are maybe PR teams, agency teams that help with that kind of stuff and say, hey, if you have thoughts about the show, mail it to this number or or mail it to this PO box or something. And then they review them and then also bring people in and relay that information to the showrunner and then they say hey they really like this guy right you more can stuff also for him. exit poll because uh, you have a studio audience so you that's can true. exit poll the studio audience that's true. i would imagine so that won't be representative of america at large right but, right, right but that's uh, the people that are coming to you know the, yeah, your so, fan base probably so i'd say like maybe affiliates do it in different marketplaces hmm. or they look at who tunes out with what interesting I, this is all speculation. Clearly, you can tell it's very inside stuff. But <laughs> I say uh, fan mail. I don't know. That's what I'm going to go with. Huh. A lot of uh, weird exit polls. All right. Well, that answers that. So oddly, this is where Frazier reveals that uh, Bulldog is the highest rated show on the station. Cool. Makes a lot of sense. It's sports. I think we talked about this in a previous episode. Compared to what I see on the dial, I don't know why people would tune in for a sad radio show every day no offense to Frazier, but it's a lot of depressing problems yeah, absolutely it's, it's not a funny like farce <laughs> you know like it's not fun on Frazier's show i don't think um father mike doesn't sound like a lot of fun <laughs> chopper dave's just doing traffic i don't think we've met gill yet we haven't met gill we afraid- haven't and then there's a lady that that does like quilting i think it was or what okay. was it uh not maybe not quilting there's an, there's another old, like older woman that does some stuff Man. so yeah i i would imagine yes yeah, sports is the biggest draw for this station in general interesting so uh ross reveals hey he's been in a salary dispute with management though seems wise if he's the highest rated <laughs> show on the station Seems like you need a sports station, and I've got a brand. Yeah. 
all good. I said, all of this is checking out very quickly. We're like, okay, Bulldog's in a pretty good power position. People love him. Marty's Marty, huge fan. And uh, so Bulldog ends up giving away his Sonics ticket on the way, or his Sonics tickets on the way out the door to Chopper Dave. Says he's got a big meeting with the station manager tonight. <laughs> Which is funny. It struck me as funny because he was so pissed that he lost him, but he wasn't even going to use him. So it's like it's he's a sweetheart. A, he just he's a sweetheart, Jordan. He was just so concerned about Chopper Dave. He wanted to make sure Chopper Dave got a good night seeing seeing the Sonics. Which means you know he's going to ask for some favor from Chopper Dave down the line that Chopper Dave is really really not going to want to pay back. He's like, "Well, you told me you weren't even going to get to go to that game." And he's like, "Okay, man." I'm sure Bulldog will ask him to like crash at his place. No, he won't ask him to crash at his place. I don't know. He may, he's just a super nice guy. He was, was really the, concerned. Was it the Sonics or the Supersonics? Uh, he calls them Sonics shorthand. I don't know what their official name was back then, but Supersonics, I think, was their official name yeah, for a I while. Think, I, I think swear they that I remembered it. Supersonics. It was in like the er, it was definitely was that in the late eighties, early nineties. They went through a rebrand at some point, and their jersey definitely just said Sonics. It was too much alliteration, is what it was. Uh, it's a, yeah, <laughs> Seattle, Seattle Supersonics. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. They're like, like no, uh. I'm sure like a broadcaster <laughs> came in. I was like, you're killing me with this man, like. <laughs> I can't talk about the Seattle Supersonics all the time. All the time. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's kind of the bit there. So it's like a very like ominous ending to the scene, and the KACL staff is like, you know, they don't visibly say ooh, right? But kind of the vibe you get here. <laughs> Next scene, we get to old Frazier. Speaking to Don, played by Jay Leno. Yep. You, you a Jay Leno fan, George? Can't say that I am. Tell, tell me what you know about Leno. Uh, my sister uh, had, uh, she'll never listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. She had a first uh, husband uh, who looked and acted exactly like Leno. So that's about all I know about Leno, other than the fact that he has a shit ton of cars. He does. He recently burned himself. He burned himself. Yeah, he's gotten into like three or four kind of big ordeals here lately, man. I haven't been keeping up. Yeah, he like burned his face in a garage accident, but oh, his Jesus. buddy was there. I mean, most of the time it was like engine error or something like that. Like he's a pretty smart cat and very good and knowledgeable with cars. Sure. But I want to say he had a motorcycle accident after the fire thing like a week and a half later, but... Same kind of deal, I think. String of bad luck. Exactly. Just Damn. a weird string of bad luck. But he's hanging in there. Jay Leno doing great. So when I saw his name pop up as the guest caller, I was like, oh, hey, Jay Leno. It's Leno. Going. Uh, and so probably an NBC thing. They're like, yeah, get Leno in there. <clears throat> he, was however, already, he was already upstairs. <laughs> however, the gag is terrible yeah. that Leno pulls here about how he's trying to lose weight. And then Frazier kind of shames him for losing, you know, like or not shames him, but like, Hey, it's a lifetime battle. You got to commit to it. A lot of people struggle with it. Yeah. yeah. And then you hear that he's in a drive-thru mm -hmm. and Lena's just, he's like, no, I'm not in a drive-thru or whatever. I'm just and driving around. Yeah. The whole gag just felt kind of forced yeah. overall. I was like, it wasn't really a Frasier kind of gag. So I was like, this is an NBC Leno thing. It or was, something. it like, was them definitely either either somehow the agents set up a thing where he would do a guest spot you know uh cameo on fraser and yeah didn't have much for it maybe they said maybe like leno was gonna i don't know be more funny and improv stuff because i mean leno was gener you know genuinely funny dude i watched a 
good amount of Jay Leno shows, I guess, back in the day when he was on Tonight Show. But yeah, they would come on after stuff, you know, when I was staying up late. I was certainly more of a Letterman kid. Yeah. But I saw my fair share and of Conan. Leno. Well, yeah, Conan. Yeah, that was a different time slot. Um, but <laughs> excuse me. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, yes, for late night, we can go through everyone, but uh, <laughs> the late night wars in the early 90s were. Oh, yeah, Conan got the the late night show versus these guys who got the tonight show. That's Leno true. And, that's true. Um, so yeah, I'd imagine they promoted the heck out of this thing. Like Jay Leno is going to be on Frasier. Mm-hmm. And then he mm-hmm. was like, just did the lamest. Let's gag. loop in the, the Leno crowd. Yeah, that's all Ugh. it was. Uh, so Frasier goes to break. He runs into Father Mike in the hall. Uh, I think one of them's hanging out at a vending machine. It's Father Mike. Gotcha. Father Mike's worried about losing his job. Um. <laughs> Because his numbers have been down. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that means you're either bad at your job or people are dying off that are in your religion or something. <laughs> or like, in your, yeah, in your, in your, uh, uh, you know, audience bracket or whatever, because they're old. Yeah. I'm like, if his numbers are down, <laughs> I'm like, then you're not good at your job, Father Mike. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I mean, they might not know how to market you because they don't know who to market to other than in churches. Like, I'm, I feel bad for Father Mike. It's a tough beat. They should have changed his format. Yeah, so I was like, maybe you should do something else, Father Mike. What else do you like, Mike? Mike? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> is there anything else other than Catholicism? Yeah, what else do you like? Can you contribute like? anywhere else? <laughs> um, so Fraser confirms to Mike that no, you're right. Actually, someone is being let go. Um, but I've heard that it's Bulldog, and it seems wild that Frazier would do this. Frazier's typically a guy who's pretty reserved, keeps things close to the, you know, close is yeah. what I'll say. Like, he doesn't go around spreading gossip at work. He was the one that said, don't yeah. gossip. So I was confused, but I guess he was maybe just trying to reassure Father Mike. So he thought it was okay, but oddly, mm. he goes back into the studio. Bulldog is standing behind a door creepily. <laughs> he was not in the studio three minutes prior. Supposedly, I would imagine he would he would have been like walking towards them, picked up on the conversation, and then like backed up against the door. Okay. And before we continue, did you happen to catch what what snack Frazier got from the vending machine? He pulled a snack out of the vending machine. I have no idea. It was a little teeny teeny tiny bag of Cheez Its. A Cheez It? That yeah. doesn't seem like what he would do. No. What was the thing he mentioned last week? Diovitriculitis. Di- Diovitri- Diovitriculitis, yeah. Does that get impacted by Cheez Its? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe, uh, some, like, you know, diverticulitis is connected to, like, a wheat allergy or gluten. So one would think that, yeah, Cheez Its are going to aggravate that. <laughs> that would be tricky to eat Cheez Its, but I mean, maybe it's a peanut specific thing. I more imply, or I more kind of caught that it was like, sodium heavy like he couldn't eat like processed sodium yeah. or something like that eh, whatever good for him yeah uh, so, good for him eating some cheese it's <laughs> i was more of a cheese nips guy myself it's the same product that I, I, I mean i know but like you gotta choose you know like cheese it's are good i like the box but cheese nips had like a exclamation point at the end it was fun it's true it was the branding was a little bit stronger that's what i'm saying as a kid i was like give me the nips <laughs> <laughs> And they knew they were like, oh, Steve wants some more cheesy Steve, nips. Steve needs cheesy nips. So he overheard, sorry, Bulldog overheard Frazier telling Father Mike he's getting let go. Bulldog immediately fired up and pissed. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I didn't realize, too, that when they're having this combo, this is like an hour later after the Nervosa meeting or like midway through the show because sure. Bulldog has not met with the station manager yet. So he says, I've got a meeting with that guy tonight. 
I'm so freaking fired up. I'm just going to quit this thing. Like, Screw that, this. Guy. That's what this is about. I understand now. Exactly. He jumps to conclusions basically because Frazier went and ran his mouth. Uh, <laughs> he's like, all right, Frazier. All okay, right. Frazier. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> quickly before he leaves the studio, though, he breaks an Electro Voice RE20 microphone in half, which is a difficult task to do. So, <laughs> good job by the props department. I don't think uh, Bulldog could have pulled this off. I don't know that a strong man in the circus could have pulled that off. Those things are beefy. Yeah, I was like, oh man. I was like, so good job on the props department. Yeah. They probably just pre-cut one or like it was some piece of something yeah. that he just ripped in half there. I was like, man, that's an expensive mic that he just ripped up there. Made for some good physical comedy. It though, did. For sure. <laughs> um, so Bulldog runs off. He's out, of, he's out of the studio. Roz comes in, kind of sees the commotion and uh, Frazier says that, um, hey, I told, I accidentally let it slip or yep. something like that. Cat out of the bag. Yeah, I think he says that it was him that told him at this point. Uh, but Roz knew everything about the station manager meeting. Guess just didn't fill Frazier in, basically. So she included him on one set of hot goss about the cutbacks. But as soon as she heard <laughs> I about this, you keep calling it hot goss. I will always call it hot <laughs> goss uh, forever. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the next thing you see is that Roz is telling him like, hey, that wasn't about him getting fired. We all knew that. Which is like, well, why didn't you assure Fraser earlier that it wasn't Bulldog? <laughs> She's like, yeah, well, everybody around here knows that's to take a show national. That's what the manager wants to meet about. And you're like, well, She's like, don't you know anything around here? Like, no, Roz, you keep him out of the loop. Who's He's he talking to? He's the best talent that we have. Exactly. So she knows very quickly, no, Bulldog's not getting the axe. She should have said that earlier. Again, no fault to Ross here, no. but she does, she, or Ross, she does put it on Frazier, like, don't you know anything? And like, nobody keeps Frazier in the loop. <laughs> How's he supposed to know anything? <laughs> um, and then Ross kind of chews Frazier out and says, you got to go call Ned Miller. You got to do something. You got to go up there. You got to call him or something, basically. And uh, you ever had to go go to a boss and fight for another employee you ever had to do anything like that um i mean <clears throat> not exactly like fight for another employee but i've definitely in a managerial from a managerial standpoint had to like go to an owner and uh you know kind of talk about an employee and that that ultimately did end up getting fired for various reasons so uh i mean yeah I, but no i've never like saved anybody's job that i can recall <laughs> Oh man, that's unfortunate. I go in every day and I <laughs> tell is it going every morning. That's right. I just go pick fights with my boss just for the hell of it. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I heard what you were doing yesterday and you're trying to get rid of that guy. Well, no. And they're like, no, we have no plans to get rid of that person. And I'm like, well, thanks to me. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I'm, glad, I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> right. You're a real stand up guy. Yeah, exactly. I let them know I'm ready to fight every day, <laughs> no matter what. Don't you dare don't you dare uh, so, uh we go we cut away scene three here uh we go to fraser's apartment niles enters with a dead house plant <laughs> this, this is probably one of my more enjoyable openings to a scene here that's certainly relatable um so niles enters with a dead plant or dead house plant he wants to bring to daphne says that maris bought it was trying to raise it or something he said that all she did was try and love it yeah <laughs> her love killed the plant but martin says daphne's not around he's just chilling by himself uh so niles is now 
just sitting there, basically. <laughs> like he sits on the couch, and uh, Martin says, "Why don't you sit down? I want to visit with you." Yeah, let's visit. And then it's just like dead, awkward silence. And this is my favorite kind of comedy. Like your your Larry. It's slightly cringy, but it's more just awkward. Yeah, it's just that weird energy. Exactly. That's what I liked about Larry Sanders' show so much. Is like it's not necessarily cringy all the time. It's just this weird human interaction space that actually exists. Yeah. It's just kind of hard to capture. Yeah. You know, it's a, a tricky thing. So yeah. Watching them go through and they both know the first questions, the other one's gonna ask, Hey, how you doing? And Niall says, I'm fine. And then before Martin even asks, he just says, <laughs> She's fine. You know, because like you just know this is what this guy's gonna ask yeah, me. It's just, just all the platitudes. Yeah, like it's just gonna be the same old crap. Um, so Martin even says, like, hey, if you just came over to see Daphne, oh my god, I'm sorry. He offers him a pickle. He does. He offers him a pickle. That's a big thing. And he and he says it in that I love when Martin does stuff. He so we we saw him earlier when Frazier was just trying to read that book and he was like thick. Yeah. And so he's he's the same exact tone where he's like pickle like he's got this way that he talks when he does that stuff that's so funny it is quite hilarious uh but martin does say like hey if you're just here to see daphne you can bail out man so i appreciate kind of martin picking up on it pretty quick they're like okay you don't you just came over here to try to give this house plant over and probably see daphne Mm -hmm. i know you're a creepy guy that's fine sorry niles i love you to pieces (laughs) um but in this stage of the series he is a little creepy uh, but he Martin's cool. So just just leave, man. You're all good. Yeah, and this is where we get a sense that Martin understands that Niles has a crush on Daphne. Yeah, like, he doesn't from care. way early on. He doesn't give a shit. I don't think he cares for Maris. Um, at this point, like <laughs> doubtful. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. And I'm I'm sure he's given her a fair shake. Like Martin seems like he's a fair shake kind of guy sure. over the years. And I'm sure just hey, my kid is crushing on my maid and so that's fine if he wants to come over for that be my guest Um, but you don't have to hang here if that's the only reason you came over (laughs) niles gets gets i don't know if this is on the sheep here but niles gets offended and he's like he's like well i'm i'm just i'm just too upset now i have to leave and he's trying to (laughs) he's trying to leave (laughs) yeah exactly he kind of agrees he's like all right i'll leave and then (laughs) daphne enters so he's more than happy to stay like all right so niles stays then fraser enters quickly after so Martin is immediately upset that Father Mike was hosting Bulldog Show today. <laughs> He's like, what the heck's going on? Father Mike was hosting Bulldog Show, and I hate when he does that because all he talks about is Notre Dame. <laughs> like, like, yep. That's the thing. I think Father Mike should get canned. He's got no other skills. He doesn't know how to cover football. He doesn't know what to do. I'm surprised that he knew enough about Notre Dame sports to even talk for the the allotted time. <laughs> he might not have. <laughs> he might have just talked about the movie Rudy or something like that. I don't know. He might have just done a four-hour Rudy chant during the Gonzo. Wait, sport. was Rudy at Notre Dame? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I don't remember the specifics of the movie Rudy as well as you do. All right. Well, Rudy was, I think, a terrible human in real life. Sorry if your family's listening, Rudy, the person. Uh, <laughs> but the movie, yes, it did take place at Notre Dame as well as the true story. Starred, uh, starred old Sean Astin. Oh, I there. love me some Sean Astin. Yeah. He's big in, Sean Astin He's fan. in Ceno Man for me. Nothing else. Oh, okay. Nothing else. Uh, Goonies for me always, but it's what I hear. Yeah. I hear people say the Goonies a lot. Yeah, yeah. either Goonies or or uh, Fifty First Dates. <laughs> okay, I hear that one a bunch too. I was Fifty like, First I Dates with those hilarious shirts that he wears. I don't remember that part as well, but I have heard that as well. That Sean Astin's very good in Fifty First. Hilarious dates. in that movie. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's um, 
what's her what's her name the the girl opposite Adam Sandler uh, Drew Barrymore Drew Barrymore sorry mm-hmm. he's Drew Barrymore's brother in Drew, that movie okay yes 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 I watched it like one time years ago Super but I funny. barely clocked the Sean Aston thing so I'm uh, or sorry I I barely remember it anymore so I gotta <laughs> go back and revisit it <laughs> um so Fraser kind of lets Martin know that uh, hey Bulldog quit um and Daphne quickly starts picking up a vibe that. Frazier's a little distressed. Mm-hmm. He's a little distressed. Seems like he almost feels like maybe he's responsible for Bulldog quitting his job or even losing his job. It's quite perceptive of her. That is. She's very good at this. Mm-hmm. Niles takes a call on his cell phone quickly. Maris has been kicked out of cats because she couldn't <laughs> remember the words to memory. Oh, there's the joke. There's I was like, joke. I thought I wrote something about memory earlier. I'm sorry. When I saw cats, I was like, there's <sighs> something about a song that I did not know, but I wrote down. There you go. Cool, cool, cool. There's the memory thing. Um, so it's good gag. Yeah, yeah. Give me memory again. Give me, give me it off, off your memory. Here. Uh, memory. And I can't think about being a cat. Oh man. Cat that I think that's the lyrics. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it is. Uh, if you're a big musical theater person, let us know if those lyrics were correct. Uh, so Martin is ticked once Frazier kind of reveals that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I might've cost the guy his job. I might've said some stuff that maybe made him accidentally go up and quit, but it was all gossip. And there was this other stuff I didn't really know, you know? So Frazier kind of accepts responsibility, but not fully. He did not tell him to quit. Right. That's the thing. Like, I told him something, but I didn't tell him to go quit his job, basically. No, so. he kind of walked him up to the ledge. Right. You put him <laughs> in a position. Um, then Bulldog arrives at Fraser's door. Just sullen dun, and dun, dun. destitute. Yeah. Um, so Niles is exited. Sorry, Niles has to leave, of course. So Niles is gone. It's just Daphne, Martin, and Fraser. Bulldog shows up. Martin kind of looks a little starstruck for a second he when does. Bulldog shows up. He even, he, you can hear it in his voice. He's like, hey, hey, Bulldog. Like, he's yeah. like excited, you That's know? It. And he's not just a big Beatles fan. He really likes Bulldog. <laughs> um, so I love that Martin was a little starstruck by the sports guy. Yeah, me because too. Because it, it was a nice touch where, you know, a, a good piece of acting there where they're like, Daphne's just kind of, hey, who's this dude? And Martin's got this kind of slight just not even grin. It's almost like very cheerful. Yeah. Like just overall cheer in his look. I mean, literally like when you meet a celebrity probably yeah. that you, that you enjoy because he listens to him every day. That's what we'll get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when bulldog shows up, he looks nearly suicidal. He does not look good. <laughs> no. Says his girlfriend threw him out because he got fired and she told him she was only with him because he was on the radio. That's so rough, dude. It's pretty ice cold. It's incredibly ice cold. Also, eight years he said he was with her, I think. <laughs> How can that be the only reason she's with you over the course of eight years? <laughs> like, because you're on an AM radio station. I was going to say, that makes virtual. Great. He's the best sports guy in town. He might go get another sports job somewhere. What do you mean? He's not done in radio permanently just because he lost his Seattle gig. Like, that's what's very odd to me about this. I'm like, okay. So then. Bulldog thinks he's a loser. Martin offers him a pickle. Bulldog's all in on those pickles. Gladly he gra- accepts them. He grabs that jar. He's in. <laughs> um, but then Martin's there. Martin's there to console him, basically, and say, hey, man, you know, you bring me a lot of joy. I don't know that he says those words, but he basically says, 
I listen to you every day. Daphne says, oh, yeah, he'll put off his shower and stuff like that. He won't he won't finish what he's doing until your show finishes, basically. And he says, I wouldn't even have a radio unless if you weren't on the air, Bulldog, <laughs> which makes no sense to me. You're like, yes, you would, Martin. You're, you would have a radio. Come on. He's probably had a radio his entire life. The like, sole reason why he owns a radio. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> it's Frazier's apartment. What the hell is he talking it's a about? Ni- it's a nice gesture, though. He's just trying to cheer him up. He is. It's a very nice thing to say. Um, so the this is where it gets out to me. We're like, Bulldog's headed to the YMCA. Like, I mean, was he this paycheck to paycheck that his girlfriend threw him out and it's YMCA or bust? Like, not even one night in a hotel, not anybody else he can hit up and call because headed to the ymca is tough that's the last resort i would imagine i I didn't even know you could still really head there maybe in major markets you can but i mean in 93 i'm pretty sure the ymca was pretty jumping that's all uh we'll have to pay for the rest oh so Frazier slips him a 20 before he leaves. That's what he thinks he can get away with there. He's like, 20 right, bucks. I'll give you a Go 20. to a Motel 6. And then, unfortunately, he reluctantly agrees to let Bulldog stay the night. He doesn't want him going to the YMCA. He does mention, yeah, his his priceless suede couch. Yeah, also seems foolish from like, certainly there's another area we can put him on. Like, if you don't want Bulldog on the couch... I don't know. Certainly, he's got to have somewhere else, right? You got a trundle bed, phrase. You got something, you know. <sighs> yeah, go get an air mattress for him. I don't know. I mean, I guess his, his study or his guest room is taken now, and his dad just moved in with him. So he did have two auxiliary rooms in which, you know. It's true. He can't sleep can an sleep extra somebody. three. Yeah, you're right. He is kind of a, you know, over-encumbered with people it's, as it is over in It's a full house. It is. So, <laughs> um. Daphne and Martin give Frazier a uh, disappointing glare uh, when they're like, hey, man, you've got to go down there and talk to the boss. Like, you can't let this guy get out of or lose his job, basically. Like, if you really caused this, if you were the reason for it, (laughs) you got to go talk to him. You got to go talk to him. And they basically just stare him down. And the gag is that Eddie eventually joins in the stare down <laughs> and Frazier reluctantly agrees to go talk to Ned Miller, the station manager. The energy was that Eddie was the one that like kind of pushed him to do that. You know, like that really he was the yes. one that like once at once the energy of Eddie came on, he was like, fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's what took him over the over the edge there. Basically <laughs> like, all right, Frazier's going to do it. Mm. So then we get to Ned Miller's office. He's not in a good mood. No, he's pissed. He's pissed off, man. We've already been set up that he's he's quite a monster. He is a bit of a monster. He says he fired his secretary. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. His face like, walks in. Okay. Yeah, like, he's gone. Seems, wasn't cutting it. That seems like you're now going to have to hire a new secretary <laughs> on Monday or whatever day this is of the week here. Um, uh, it seems like he got violent in there pretty quick because there's a hole in the wall. Yeah. And he's trying to hang a photo over it or rehang it or reposition it or do something. Says that Bulldog threw a golden mic at him or I forget what it's called, but he threw something at him. One of his awards that he's won, yes. And then he says that he put Bulldog's head through the wall. wall. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, well, I get 
I mean, at this point, I was like, well, this guy's losing his job. Like, uh, I mean, or at least getting a suit filed against him for something. But I don't know what Bulldog said to cross the line or whatever. No telling. But they did show, I guess, a little clip of when Bulldog was like yelling at him and giving him the business. And uh-huh. he was and they just like overdubbed the barking, which was a clever, which I thought through the fisheye lens. That was that was a good uh, use of cinematography. I would love to have seen that fight. I wonder what the fuck. Yes, and the station manager says he tapes everything. Yeah. And I don't know if he meant audio only or if he had like a, a video, video camp. Because I, I, now that I think about it, yeah, I wonder what you're legally allowed to do in the state of Washington or whatever. Because no like, I don't think you can record your office unless people know. I don't know the laws on that, but it's weird. No, man. no clue. And that guy was like, what, the head of the station, right? Yeah. So. Like, I get it if it's a government agency or something like that. Sure. Like, my boss's office is bugged. That's <laughs> odd. Uh, anyway, good gravy. Um, so, he's... At the least point, they got into a fight of some kind. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Frazier finally owns up to the station manager that, hey, there's a reason that Bulldog came up here screaming at you. And it's because I heard there was going to be cutbacks and I accidentally spread the rumor to the bulldog and that's why he came up here, basically. Station manager doesn't seem to give a crap about the reasoning, really. Um, but he is already distraught that he like lost the numbers, basically. Right. Um, he's like, we got... Because as he should, like this guy's got to be in trouble. If you let your highest rated host leave, sure. even if he was cursing you out, you've got a big problem on your hands and now you fired your secretary too. like the guy's going to have a crappy week no matter what. And it's also going to be hard to ask somebody to come back after you've put their head through a wall. That would be tricky. Yes. Um, and I think he knows that. Uh, so he kind of tells Frazier, all right, all you got to do is get bulldog to kiss my ass. Yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, and if he does that, not even really apologize. I mean, yes, apologize, but kiss my ass more than anything. <laughs> Like, all right, that's one thing to do. Uh, then he implies that, hey, he'll get his job back. Dun, dun, dun. Then the phone rings. <laughs> Perfect. Time. Oh, actually, no, I apologize. Ned Miller does imply, though, that, hey, if you do this, and I appreciate you saying you'll do this, you will lose your job because cutbacks still need to happen here. Sure. So, well, and it's also as if he already knew that Frazier was the one he was going to fire. So Frazier was yes. the one that they were going to let go initially, right? Correct. So, yeah. It's like, why did Roz bring that up? If she was so in on the rumor, I mean, it doesn't seem like she's that in on the rumor mill. She's just spreading stuff around. Sure. And she didn't know it was the, you know, the, the talent that she is the producer for. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of makes sense. He is new to the radio game is what the guy kind of says. Like, yeah. Hey, you're new around here. People get back on their feet and that's kind of a little gag. They play on each other here, <laughs> um, but the phone rings. Ned Miller uh, has offered Frazier a drink. So Frazier's on the other side of the office pouring himself a drink. Phone rings. Boss answers the phone. Old Ned Miller here. Talks to the guy named Jack. Says a couple words. Smiling the way the whole way through. Gets fired and takes it like a champ. Yeah, he does. He really takes that one on the chin. He's like, all right, okay. <laughs> thanks, Jack. Uh, thanks, Jack. I understand. <laughs> like... Like, dang, that guy took that one. Like, dude's been let go before. Dude's been let go, and dude's fired a lot of people. Yeah. And dude's confident he'll go get a job yeah. somewhere else. Like, sure. he is a highly sought piece of talent. Clearly, if his 
if he was that confident in it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so he lets Fraser know you get to keep your job. Station cut me, and Fraser kind of almost gloats at him a yeah, little he bit. Does. I don't care for Fraser. He definitely starts going into you know throwing back on what you know throwing back on him what the guy what when ned miller was throwing on him earlier by saying like you know i haven't been in the radio game very long but you'll bounce back and yeah just throws it right back in his face i agree not exactly the energy that i would have expected from fraser during that scene but also at the same time definitely the energy i would have expected from fraser during during uh that type of news and situation (laughs) yes um I don't know. I don't know what your move is when you get your job back in front of your boss that got fired. Like, <laughs> who's I, no longer your boss now? Yeah, exactly. Like, certainly you would offer him out for a drink almost. Like, I would almost feel empathy for the guy to a certain be degree. Like, oh. I'd say I'd be like, just come out and get a drink with me, man. Like, like you're this not is my just, boss anymore. This is just a mess. Let's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd go get the guy hammered. What do I care? Sure. Ned Miller might get crazy, though. He may do a bunch of blow. <laughs> you never know <laughs> when that guy looks like, like that. he does blow. Yeah, it does. Uh, and that's pretty much the end of this episode. Like, it's just kind of four big, chunky scenes. Uh, we get to the credits, and Bulldog is doing his show upside down because he he did reference that he he had a gag going that if the Seahawks beat the Bills, he'd do his show upside down. So you thought it was a throwaway at the beginning, but then they put it in at the credits here for the little bumper, which is always nice, which is incredible that he actually can do that. And they, I mean, they really had the, you know, they really had him suspended upside down (laughs) on, on set, which was funny. Uh, he made a crack earlier about how the only thing he couldn't get down was drinking coffee and it keeps burning his eyes, (laughs) (laughs) which is a hilarious bit. It's like, just drink coffee during the break. Like, do you have to go <laughs> straight? I mean, I know you want to drink coffee during the show. Sure. I get it, but use a straw. I don't know. <laughs> that's like, a good solution. I'm going to say like, use a bendy straw that's down here or yeah. something like that. And then just suck it up is what I was thinking. I was like, he can pull this off. <laughs> he can make it work. Bulldog sure is talented. Yeah. Bulldog is talented. He's got the highest ratings on the station. We saw him last week doing all the like sound effects yeah. and stuff. No wonder. Like it seems like Frazier just kind of shows up and takes calls. Like Bulldog is prepping. He's making gags. He's got bits. He's going to do things upside down. He's connecting with an older demographic like Martin. He's a true personality. You think that his personality would have been why his girlfriend stayed with him for eight years? Uh, that's, I mean, I could see him getting a little tough to deal with over time. It's true. It's a lot of bits. But oh. for her to say the only reason she was with them, they're like, well, certainly there are better looking guys than Bulldog <laughs> on the radio. That's why I was like, no, that can't be true. Like, there was something else. So That's fucked up. She was just looking for a way out, obviously. Yeah, I agree. That's what it was. I, I, also, why was he living with her? I thought the same thing. I was like, well, you don't have your own place. Yeah. So it, how well is he doing? He's the highest rated station. Frazier's living like money bags over here. He and Bulldog's getting thrown to the Y after one day. I mean, who knows what his, what the living situation was, I guess, but you'd think that he would have some auxiliary funds lying around from the fact that he, you know, lives with his girlfriend, unless he was paying for her fucking apartment or house or whatever they were living in. Well, we'll never know. The moment is gone. <laughs> no, I said it was probably cheaper to cohabitate back then if you did have a girlfriend, for sure. But based on Frazier's... I mean, understandable, he's a doctor. 
but the station probably paid decently in the early 90s. I mean, that's a big format. So I'd imagine Bulldog was more than capable of getting something better than the YMCA. I think that's a big issue here. It's the highest rated station. Go get a hotel until you find your own apartment. I mean, he was in a salary negotiation, but he still had to be earning decent cash. I mean, to not be... Definitely a livable wage. Yeah, definitely not out on the streets in one night. I mean, like that's what's tough. You're like, come on, man. Who knows? Maybe Bulldog is into, you know, strip clubs and sports betting. I bet he, I bet he bets a lot of money on sports. I could see Bulldog getting mixed up talking. with some now, bookies. You know? Now you are talking. I could see him being a frivolous spender and gambler yeah. and going down those roads yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to our sideshow here. Um, da, 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 da. This is Murphy Brown. Like we mentioned at the top, I did not watch much Murphy Brown as a child. No. So this one was a little bit more difficult to jump into and know the character names. So it did take me a minute to be like, who is this? Why is this person in charge of this person? All that fun stuff. Like, honestly, the only real Murphy Brown, like, memories that I have was from when Kramer wrote a Murphy Brown on Seinfeld and was in a Murphy Brown. <laughs> yeah. Um. What was the plot of Frazier's or uh, Kramer's Murphy Brown? Because it was something like he, he had a full plot line. He was her new secretary. Yeah, that's it. And, he, he, and he was like on sitting the show. There, yeah, he was on the show and he's sitting there typing away. Someone wrote an episode, though, right? Was it Elaine who, like, wrote a spec script for something? Did she maybe write it a was spec script maybe that was Elaine that wrote for Murphy Brown maybe that's what I'm getting confused at somebody so Kramer did. went out to LA and randomly got on an episode yeah. of Murphy Brown I think yeah. as a like I said as the new news person or secretary I don't know if that something. was the same episode or not but uh, I think the California one was the two parter sure I can't remember what the one was with Elaine where she wrote the spec script and they find it yeah because it's like George and Jerry yeah, like they, looking at it and she gets all pissed off yeah they and, find it it's not the not the deli slicer one I'm trying to think of other big Elaine apartment episodes right like, there's only so many where they're over there interesting huh might have been the one she got trapped under the mattress <laughs> okay what a dumb gag uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh <laughs> Uh, so our show overview for Murphy Brown is, is that it was an American television sitcom. It premiered in 1988 on CBS, starred Candace Bergen as Murphy Brown. And I guess the news journalism like show that they're on is FYI. So I don't know if this is like a 60 minutes kind of thing or if it's a daily like NBC five news tonight, but it's an investigative journalist. So was it like, I forget all the shows back then. Like, what's the one in Dumb and Dumber with the kid you know, uh, who had the bird and was taken away and they, like, show what show they're on? It's not Dateline. Like, hard copy? Exactly. Like, those. was this, like, a hard copy kind of show? Or, Maybe. like, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, I don't know how legitimate of a news organization this is because now we're all in, like, cable news and I'm like, I, I don't know what those things are. Yeah, things are kind of convoluted now. Yeah, no, but I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's like, uh, yeah, I think it's probably like a like a hard copy or like a almost news format investigative journalism type stuff. And are they in D.C.? Is that where the show takes place? Because they show exterior shots of like the Capitol building. I would imagine then, yes, they're in D.C. Yeah. So a Washington-based news anchor for a television news magazine. So I think I may just not have enough context on what the television news magazine was in the early 90s to be able to equate it to something where I'm like, I don't know what that is today. I'm like, because we get the the major news. It's been around forever. Like the 
NBC World Tonight, the right. John Williams right, right, or whatever. Right. Um, you know, and that's one guy. There's not like three dudes on there, I don't think. Huh. Um, interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm too young, clearly. I'm too young. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so this series originally ran Old Murphy Brown until 1998. After airing a total of 247 episodes, that's a lot of episodes. Bulk I did of not the, know. Bulk of the series. Bulk of the series, dude. <laughs> uh, in 2018, they created a 13-episode revival, uh, and then CBS canceled it. So, <laughs> Wait, I really? I, didn't, yeah. I, don't, I did not Me see either. that. I was like, okay, it's got uh, another revival, and it was canceled after 13 episodes. And that was Candace Bergen, too? Yeah, Candace huh. Bergen came huh. back. I was proud of myself because when I was watching this episode, I didn't look, obviously look up anything. I couldn't, you know, I didn't know any of the actors except for Candace Bergen, but it took me a while to remember her name. And I was like, is it Candace, Candace Cameron, Candace Bergen, Candace Cameron, Candace Bergen. Yeah. And so I, I'm proud of my brain for pulling that information out of the, out of the depths of the file, file box back there. (laughs) This is definitely what she's most well known for. Do you remember her from any other stuff? No. I think she was in like Miss Congeniality and a couple other things. I know she was in like Carnal Knowledge. I only remember that from that Wonder Years episode <laughs> where they were all trying to like sneak out when they were 13 and go see Carnal Knowledge. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure Candace Bergen is in that. And I don't even know that it's a very dirty film. I think it was more like just a like random. I'm like, pretty adult sure drama. Paul said that it was an X rated movie. I don't know. Let me look it up. You talk for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Candace Bergen, but maybe not. Yeah, see, I was trying to think. Remember, like you know, because a lot of these sitcoms get started because they're like stand-up comedians. But I don't think Candace Bergen was a stand-up. She was just a actress, right? Yeah, I I I think she'd been around for a while. Like in the 70s, she was acting and stuff, or maybe Mm. even 60s before that. Maybe it was Wings that had the same set as that I'm thinking of. I know there was a set. I swear to God, it was like there was like a David Spade type guy that was like the the head. Maybe I'm just thinking of this show who got who knows honestly maybe i'm just mistaken and actually thinking of murphy brown i didn't i don't recall watching a lot of murphy brown but maybe i did uh yeah the 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 entire cast was uh some you know people that i did not recognize so obviously blew under the radar there i recognized the like miles dude from when i was a kid like i remember that guy was that the the short dude short dude with the glasses glasses. where i was like he had a distinct enough look where i think he reminded me of like i don't know just somebody else i knew in my life or something where i was like okay i kind of remember that miles guy but beyond that i did not remember the side characters names only honestly the most recognizable character in this entire episode for me was the bartender Yeah, fake Ray Romano. Yeah, Sorry, too many Ray I, was like, I don't know that guy's name. He is a well-known comedian. I think I usually call him fake Ray Romano. He was and on, I did not invent well, that. Well, he was, he was Ray Romano's cousin on, on right. Everybody Loves Raymond. I think so. they know that. They're like, go get fake Ray Romano. <laughs> the play. guy that talks and looks like Ray. <laughs> He's got such a good... I feel bad. I don't remember that guy's name. He, was in he is ep- a good stand He was in an episode of Seinfeld as well. He He's the guy that dates Elaine because Elaine can't remember his name. Uh, yes. and, or he can't remember yeah. Elaine's name, the, you know, and he, drives her wild. <laughs> she can't stand that. And so drives her <laughs> wild, man. Love that stuff. It's so funny. Uh, so yeah, he's in a bunch of things. I feel like he's always in a lot of like stand up comedy documentaries and he's kind of a behind the scenes yeah. cat where people are like, no, he doesn't talk 
that slow like he's not a slow human being this is a bit he does so like, i i looked him up on imdb he's uh because i my, my wife was like isn't he related to ray romano and with a, a, a mug like that you're like yeah probably and so i looked him up and obviously he was just related to him on a tv show and so that's where she got that from but he he does a lot of voiceover work because of his unique uh vocal cords uh and how he you know his voice is funny and so there's a game that i've been playing lately a video game that has him on that game uh all over the place interesting so just to circle back here carnal knowledge from 1971 (laughs) was a romance and drama runtime an hour 38 uh stars nice guy sandy played by art garfunkel what and charming schemer jonathan played by jack nicholson and they meet as college roommates in the late 1940s Sandy woos and eventually marries the sweetly, oh God, sweetly virginal Susan Candace Bergen. I need to pre-read these. Good God. <laughs> so yeah, I think she was like kind of a, I mean, dare I say a hobby back in the 70s because this was released in 1971. I believe that. Yes. I feel like I've seen some photos where I'm like, that's Candace Bergen. And you're like, all right, you know, I'm all about it, but huh. whatever. So yes, I think that's what uh, she's been doing for a lot of years before the Murphy Brown era that we know her from. And she's making X-rated films. I don't think it was X-rated. I think it was a Jack Nicholson <laughs> film like, that wasn't X-rated. It had Art Garfunkel in it. Hold on, let me go back and check the MPAA rating here. Um, distributed by Embassy Pictures. Let's see. It is, uh, it's rated R for sure, and it is a romance and drama. I'm sure just the word virginal and the like... in content of it well i mean it does look like some pretty crazy little images here (laughs) from it i'm not gonna lie who is this my god all right carnal knowledge carnal knowledge all right well i need to get off this real quick um (laughs) before i just derail this entire podcast here (laughs) so they're all in the newsroom like you said it looks like somebody else's newsroom to me it feels like just shoot me it also feels like news radio a little bit yeah Um, Because they all hung out in the middle there and then went to other people's offices on the side. Uh, It feels a lot like Bob Newhart, for sure. Like the Bob Newhart newsroom felt like this. Or sorry, uh, Mary Tyler Moore felt like this. Okay, yeah, yeah. With Lou Grant's office over on the far left. And then kind of the the main writers and Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, logistically, it's probably it probably is one of those things like the set. You know what I mean? And they just repurposed it uh, and changed it a little, you know, changed it up. It's a tried and true format. This episode, by the way, uh, is called Bah Humboldt, and it was directed by Peter Bonaires, who was in the Bob Newhart show. He was the dentist, and he also directed a ton of Friends episodes. He's a great TV director. Huh. I think he's the dude who might have directed the Goiter episode of Home Improvement. Oh, really? I think he's the guy. Like, and I think they play on that a little bit in Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they talk about how, like, once you get kind of pigeonholed as like the heartfelt director, <laughs> you get kind of put in that bucket, and right. so you can't do funny sitcom stuff anymore. Right. And it was yeah. Michael McKeon that they were, t- they were talking yeah, exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like this is a play on the Peter Bonaire's career almost, um, but I will confirm that later as we're going through here. I already got this Candace Bergen carnal knowledge thing. We're cooking here. <laughs> Uh, so I'll be looking up goiter episode in just a minute. Uh, so everyone's rating around a fax machine. They're trying to see if they won an award. It's the Humboldt award. It's a big deal. Big I think, thing, man. I guess. I guess it happens all the time. We find out Murphy and Frank are nominated along with this new guy, Peter. Mm. 
Sporting a hell of a mullet, Peter is. Peter's got a great mullet. And the tucked in to, to jeans. He's more he's, he's the more cash guy in the office. Because everybody else is wearing like suits and like pantsuits for the ladies. And so, yeah, <laughs> he was the one guy that I noticed that I was like, is that guy like a maintenance dude? or? <laughs> yeah. And so I guess I don't know his history of the show uh, at this point that early in the episode. But yeah, I guess he used to be like a field reporter. Right. That got brought into the station to be like an anchor. I'm sure he's not a lead anchor, but maybe he is or something. I didn't, we didn't see him on air. Sure. So I don't, I don't know. There's uh, probably a big culture in that because yeah, like you said, he gets razzed later on by those two dudes. Heck yeah, he does. Um, so when Peter finds out he's nominated, he's nonplussed about it. He's like, ah, I don't really care. Awards are for nothing. It's not the reason we do this crap. Um, court Corky, the blonde woman who is there. I don't know her role like within the news organization right now, but she's definitely an anchor Sexy or anchor. something. Okay. Uh, yes. She plays that up to her advantage. I feel like within the show, <laughs> maybe it's just this episode. Um, and then we see miles. Who's the executive producer of the show. He says he's 25 or may, maybe he doesn't mention that. Maybe he was 25 when he started the show. I don't know. Um, but young guy, he is the executive producer. So he's a younger cat in charge of all these older cats. He's trying to, Make the show modern, make it hip, make it go, all that kind of stuff. Bring but, it that new energy. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But he's more into the, like the chain of command. I think when I looked it up, he's like a Harvard business guy or something. So okay. anyway, um, so he's upset that this thing leaked and that they all know who's nominated and stuff like that. Um, and then you see a senior anchor come in. This guy's name's Jim. Again, I apologize. The first scene, I was like, I don't know who half these people are. They're introducing like eight people at once. And I've... I'm trying to piece together character names here real quick. Uh, but Jim, the senior anchor, shows up, and he's kind of upset that Peter wants nothing to do with this award. He's like, what the heck's wrong with you, man? I'm on the board of governors of the Humboldt Award, and I will force you to go to this banquet, and you will accept this award with dignity. He's not an a-hole about it. He's very reserved. It definitely clearly established like kind of the character archetypes within the show. So I did appreciate that. I was like, okay, you got mullet guy in his jeans. You got senior editor guy who's all stuffy. You got, like you said, sexy anchor woman over here, <laughs> Corky. You got uptight stick up his ass guy, Miles here, who's screaming about chain of command. <laughs> and you got Frank and Murphy who seem pretty level-headed, but they also seem like they're the, the big talent, right, basically. Right. So... That's kind of what I caught from this first scene. I was like, I don't remember much about Murphy Brown, but I kind of got a sense of the character type. So we're good. <laughs> then we go right to the freaking Humboldt Awards. Yeah, uh, they got right into it. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. We are at the awards now. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, and then the funny gag that kind of plays throughout is that this stiff reserved guy gets put at the wrong table. <laughs> And I don't know if he selected it because he was on the board of governors or what. I don't know, but that's the guy that kept that kept me laughing the entire episode, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the dude that I was generally like genuinely laughing at most of the other like jokes and stuff. I was like, "Eh, and then anytime that guy would talk, it it was great. (laughs) Hilarious update. Andy Cadiff is the one who directed the goiter episode of home improvement. I apologize to ball and airs. I'll find out what he directed. I know he did a lot of friends. So he's not just a goiter director. He's not, um, but I feel like he's one of those cats. Did he do many home improvement episodes? I feel like he did anyway. 
Um, but yeah, no, I think the senior editor, Jim guy gets the most laughs because he's just so straight. Yeah. And I, I love the straight man. So in do the I. Comedy so much. So do I like a tambor in, in, uh, the show that you talked about earlier that I'm just blanking on right now. Uh, tambor, uh, Larry Sanders, Larry show? Sanders. Thank you. Oh no. So yeah, Bonaire's definitely did direct some home improvements here. We won't get too big into it, but, uh, Yeah. Oh no, he directed the one where Jill's dad dies. Oh, so he is that the thing. I was like, guy. I feel like he was a sad director, and like he did a bunch of the friends emotional stuff. But anyway, he did this episode. Hmm. It's not emotional. It's kind of fun. Uh, so <laughs> we get to the anchor. Miles shows up, and he's a little perplexed that Corky is on a date with Peter. Seemingly, there's some love interest between Miles and Corky that was not established in the first scene in any way, shape, or form, but. Maybe they dated previously. I yeah. don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, she is on a date with Peter. I forget who asked out who in the first scene, but one of them said, do you want to be my date or something like that? Peter's got kind of uh, just for the listeners that have never seen this, which is all of them. Uh, he's got kind of a Richard from friends vibe. He does. He's there. You know what I mean? He <laughs> looks wise and um, outfit wise. Yes. Yeah. He just like Al Borland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. He doesn't have a stash. I think you're misconveying that he has a giant No, he stash. doesn't. No stash. No stash. All right. Um, but other than that, yeah, I would say he's very Richard for sure. Yeah. Seems like a Richard. Uh, so he he's clearly jealous, this Miles dude. He's like, well, this this older cat who's all rugged, he's going to put the moves on Corky. How could he not? <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's kind of right. Uh, then Frank rolls in almost identical to our Fraser storyline. He's griping about cutbacks at the network. Hey, we got big cutbacks, guys. There's nothing we could do here. Somebody's getting laid off, basically. It's <laughs> going to be one of one of the anchors here or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and they do work for CBS, so this is a nice topical reference. They said, after that Letterman deal and the murder she wrote, lady, there's no money for anyone <laughs> else. <laughs> Which I, did. I was like, all right, that, that holds up 30 years later. I will tell you now that Angela Lansbury's dead and Letterman's long off the air. Then <laughs> it still does hold up. I apologize. Very true. Um, but now we're back into gossip mode, just like Frazier. It's now gossip uh, over here about Murphy trying to assure people that cutbacks aren't coming because uh, Frank's similar to Bulldog. I think he almost says. I'm going to quit. He might say it at some point in time here. He says, I'm going to quit if I... No, he definitely does. I'm going to quit if, if I win. don't win the award. Yeah. What the hell would the station have to do with him winning the award? <laughs> I was very confused. I was like, what? How's he going to power play his own station heads by saying, if I don't win the award, I'm going to quit? Wouldn't it be if I win the award, then I can, then I have, then I yeah. need a raise or I, you know, or I quit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was very confused by his ultimate. Like, I say, like, okay. <laughs> he's, try, he's trying to use leverage that he doesn't have yet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all righty. If I don't win the award, I'm going to quit. So I was like, <laughs> interesting philosophy. And he says, he's going to go tell his boss that we're like, okay, I don't, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Your boss would just be like, well, I hope you win so that I don't have to replace you. Yeah, well, yeah, go ahead and quit, you non-award winning anchor. <laughs> Move on. Don't let the door hit you. Uh, <laughs> Corky goes over to the bar. Murphy hangs out over there with her. Corky confides, 
kind of been kind of super into this Peter dude, man. Loving me some Peter. Man. Uh, I said, Peter I'm, in, I'm in on the Peter who looks like Richard. And <laughs> Corky implies that Murphy never gets laid, which I thought was a fun gag. She was like, I can't go a year without getting laid like you do. Or she didn't say get laid. I think she says physical touch. I can't go a year without physical touch like you. One thing I noticed in this episode is there are some fucking burns, man. Yes. Like some deep cuts. I, I try to avoid those sometimes, but yes, there are some sick burns in some of these 90s show where they're like, they just, you know, hit at people's weight or hit at people's like, like sexual appear- preference. Yeah. And like, you're just like, Jesus, it, it, man. I try to gloss over those and not call attention to too much of them and uh, derail us. But yeah, there are a lot of just like, like casual sexual preference references. Yeah. Um, lots of casual put downs that you're like, all right, well, that was clearly at a group of people's expense and there was no real joke there. So you're like, yeah, don't do that. You could play it pretty fast and loose back in those days. <sighs> I mean, I guess if it got laughs, I mean, they're like, well, this is getting, that's what I don't know. That's where like the focus group stuff. I'm like, I don't know what drives the bus in those kinds of days where it's like, were they doing it because that was the only way to stay on the air? Right. And that's kind of the format at the time or what? (laughs) Um, But, but then says that Murphy. So this is the weird part is Corky's like, oh, so you're kind of not, she's talking to Murphy and she's like, you're not into me dating Peter because maybe you secretly have a thing for this guy, Peter, which right. doesn't make a lot of sense either. You're just like, what the hell do you mean? Of course, Murphy's not. You just said she doesn't hook up with anybody for yeah. years at a time. <laughs> no, she's not into Peter. And then we we see later that she's like obsessed with how much she hates this guy, actually. So I was like, this is all whatever. <laughs> but we, like you said, we get fake Ray Romano as the bartender. Love I definitely guy. wrote that. He's so damn good. Love that guy. Yeah, then we're still at the Humboldt Awards. They go to commercial and come right back. And this thing does not move. Um, and then, yeah, Miles hears about the cutbacks. The executive producer, he freaks out. Um, the senior anchor, they show him at a table with a bunch of MTV people. And he's talking about Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> so nice little call in. Hey, hey look at that. Um, Murphy says she's in a bit. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I I think, yeah, sorry. Frank starts talking to Murphy over by the bar again. They start complaining about how I haven't won an award for four years. I haven't won an award for this. Murphy makes some comment about how, and this one does holds up or holds up. That's why I put it in here that she's in a business that wants their women perky and she's no longer perky. So she needs to win the award. Which would lead me to believe that, like, yeah, I don't know what type of journalism they're doing there. I don't, I don't know. She's not wrong that women on TV are expected to look a certain way. Sure. But I, that's where I have a hard time understanding, like, what the level of journalism was or, like, when people get replaced as an anchor if you're a woman. I don't know. I've never looked that up. I would imagine men do hold an anchor's position longer, though. Probably, I, yeah. And as far as like what they do, I don't know. We could have simply just looked it up, but uh, I guess it's just yeah, like you said, investigative journalism based in D.C. that has political ties because they talk about Clinton in this episode. Somebody mentions an off, uh, right? Like a, a comment about President Clinton uh, at the time, and so one would believe that yeah, it's there's some maybe somehow tied to the White House press corps. Yeah, like I know meet the press now. I know like I said, I know some of those were like, well, those are just pundit shows and then I'm like investigative journalism is just like TMZ now. Like I don't even know who's doing 
political investigation television on a major network. Yeah. Like CBS obviously does weekly pieces. Um, that's political in nature, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just confused by the format. I got to go look it up <laughs> anyway. Um, so that's it. I feel bad for though. If she is on like a, you know, like, I mean, if you're on the today show, then like it might be tricky, but you know, Hoda's hanging in there. She's doing fine, but she's not a new, she's not a news woman. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what's tough. I'm like, I don't know what they are. Uh, so miles finally figures out there will be no cutbacks. He talked to his bosses. Peter then tells Corky he's not that into her, which only drives Corky more nuts. Um, yeah, you, if you if you tell a girl at once, yeah, that you don't want her, she's just gonna want you more. Just like fake Ray Romano. That's fake Ray Romano stuff. That's right what he there. did to Elaine. That's right. Negger by saying like, "What's your name again? I don't even know you." And then yeah, you just get into her head. That's it, man. Yep. So then she jumps on Peter. Um, Peter then kind of backs out. But then moves in and is like, eh, never mind. I'll take the hook up. Yeah. If you're just going to hook up with me, then let's go. You know, let's get out of here. <laughs> so, again, weird character dynamic where I'm like, does this guy have any principle? Like, I don't know what his deal is. It's like they're, te- it's like the writers are, are testing the waters to see if they can then write them into a relationship and that will work for ratings or something. You know, it's like, Good call. it seemed almost too obvious to me. It did seem too obvious. Because, yeah, it was a quick back and forth, but. Unfortunately, as soon as Peter gets into it, Corky's out. She's like, all right, cool. You're into it. Now I'm out. <laughs> like, good God, you two people. Freaking like, games. Exactly. It's just nothing but mind games with these daters. Uh, so she really just needed the validation. <laughs> so Peter goes and handles the newfound breakup by grabbing a scotch from fake Ray Romano. Yep. Um, and this is where he gets razzed by a couple other journalists. They say, hey, man, you know, saw you're nominated, but... That's what happens, you know, when you go in it for the awards and you go behind the anchor desk. Not you, like us, buddy. You used to have boots on the ground and you used to take shells and war zones. And yeah, they were razzing about not about not being a true investigative journalist and going into like, you know, battle zones. And that's what's weird. That's where I'm like, is it like a Today Show where like Richard Engel's in there or is it like a ABC World News Tonight? I'm just it's confused. probably more like that. That's probably more just like, like a new, you know, a nightly it, news. It program. feels like World News Tonight yeah. or something. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, we're going with that an hour and a half in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. I nailed it. We got this, buddy. <laughs> amazing. We do tons of research here. As you can tell, I'm a scientist. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they give him crap about like not getting his adrenaline going. We're like, well, he is an old guy. Maybe he doesn't want to get his adrenaline going at work every day. So yeah. he kind of lets it get to him a little bit. And, you know, you're like, all right. Um, so then he's kind of off his game. He starts talking to Murphy. They get into some shit about how if I don't win, it's going to affect you. Or if you don't win, it's going to affect you more than it's going to affect me. And if I win, you'll be jealous. And it's this weird back and forth about right. Who would be more jealous of who if the other one won is pretty much all it is. Then, of course, like some dumb sitcom, which this is. It's fine. I love sitcoms to pieces. <laughs> Guess what happens at the end? Uh-oh. They both win. No. Oh, my gosh. Peter and Murphy co-win the journalism award. I Does that happen? Can you co-win an Oscar? I've never seen it happen. I ever. know. That's just like, this is a sitcom ending. Come on. And I know it's a sitcom, but ugh. tie. <laughs> We're going to tie. <laughs> I watched this episode for 
Corky to not hook up with Peter and Peter to tie in an award with Murphy. Imagine if Brando tied for the Godfather. I don't know what he'd do. He, I, I really don't know. I, can you? I, you can't tie for an award. I guess it's he didn't. Ac- I guess he didn't accept that. Anyways, is oh, that okay. the movie that he didn't accept? Well, I don't know. Does there, he get out of? I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm referencing something where I think Marlon Brando won an Oscar, and then in, in, he sent a proxy to not accept the Oscar that he won what publicly. A, what a power move! <laughs> so power is a power what move. What a power move! Incredible. It was a humanitarian thing, I believe. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it then. Hey, good, <laughs> if it's good for humanity, it's good for me. Um, so then we, Peter doesn't accept the speech with Grace. Him and Murphy both go up on the, on the stage there. Together, yeah. Yeah, they go up on the stage together. They win the award. Peter kind of gives his like, I don't really care about this crap. I've never been more disappointed in myself in my life. <laughs> To, which I totally identify with. <laughs> There's a point where you're like, is your, I want an award for this crap. That, that is your that is your energy, I think. It's just it's the old Groucho Marx thing where it's like, I don't want to be a part of a club, uh, or I don't want to be a part of any club that would have me as a member. <laughs> so like, as soon as I'm worthy, get me the hell out of here. Basically, <laughs> you're like you're like Corky when when Jim was gonna make out with her. I know that's what, it's just like it's all that the whole episode. <laughs> Uh, but then Murphy gives a speech about how she's back. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Uh-huh. She's back. I'm back. She won the award. She's back. Then we get to the newsroom. Frank is preparing to quit. He's packing up his stuff. This is the next day. Peter tells him not to quit because he's going to quit. <laughs> so stupid. Okay. <laughs> so Peter doesn't want to be a news anchor anymore. The dudes that razzed him really fucked with his head. Yeah. Murphy makes a joke about how she's been stealing his stuff and now she'll give it back. That was a dumb throwaway, but it comes into play later, I guess, as a physical joke. Miles is beside himself that he's losing an award-winning anchor and a field reporter on the same day, which he should. <laughs> that sucks for uh, that guy. You're like, crap, we just brought this guy in and now he's quitting after winning an award. That's not good. No. Um, Frank kind of manipulates Peter, not manipulates, but just kind of is like, oh man, I really, I really applaud you for your ethics there. And then he walks over to the elevator with Miles and he's like, sweet. Now I can lean into my renegotiation. <laughs> if this dude quits, they got to renew me. And that's pretty much it. Um, Corky is chilling. She kind of gives Peter this weird thing about how like, I know why you're quitting. It's because you can't get over me. Okay, another ego boost for Corky real quick. Yeah, she's she is quite, uh, yeah, d- does that a lot, it seems. In this episode, at least. Right. We only so know this knows? one episode. But yeah, she did make out with a dude, then not be into it once he was into it, then kind of misinterpret that he was quitting because of that, which is fine. You know, <laughs> she can do her thing. Um, we get into Murphy's office briefly. We see the spare tire. So she was stealing all kinds of crap. Yes. She stole his spare tire from him for the love of Christ. From his car. Yeah. Did you have to like crank that down? What did she do? I mean, yeah, if it was, if it was underneath, I mean, she either got into his trunk where it was, or it was underneath the, the, the back end carriage of the vehicle. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know what she's doing to get this spare tire. And that also seems like real pain. <laughs> if Peter ever busts a tire somewhere. That's the point, I guess. Oh gosh. Um, what a dick thing to do i know it's like that's 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 like murphy is a real petty human like i don't feel any sympathy for this lead anchor who's winning awards and is just upset that she might get pushed out of the business due to age i'm like i get that 
You can't steal another dude's spare tire. No, could you imagine uh, popping your tire, blowout, full blowout on the highway, almost dying, pulling off to the off to the side with cars whizzing by you, and then you discover that your spare tire has been stolen from your vehicle? Be an incredible bid, but I'd be very upset. I'd be I'd, so pissed. Like if it was a buddy, I'd be like, "Hey, don't pull that bid on me again." But to know it's somebody <laughs> screwing with you, like I'd be legitimately upset. I'd be like, "What?" And a coworker, no less. Good, yeah, exactly. A coworker with a grudge. Good gosh. <laughs> so yeah, she closes her door to her office. We see that she's got a picture of Peter on a dartboard with darts in his face, which is just a dumb gag. Stupid. It's, it's things you saw in like kids' movies back in the day, or like you hang up a picture of him and you throw darts at his face or something. <laughs> and you're like, okay. You do that to your older brother, I think. Is that a thing maybe in like Home Alone or some crap? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think it was in Home Alone. But I saw it in Entourage. Ari Gold's uh, se- uh, secretary or his his like assistant. He went to his house one time and he had a dart. He had a picture of him up on dartboard. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll do that one. But day. Ari found out about it prior to him actually going over to his house and he was on the phone with him. He was like, "Take the picture down," and he was all confused how he knew it. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I'm gonna get a dartboard in here. We're gonna start playing darts each week. Okay, it'll be tough, but we're gonna do it. So sorry if you guys start hearing darts up against the wall. Uh, so then they start getting into a spirited debate. Old Peter and Murphy, they're in the office together. This is a nice scene just between the two of them. So they had one earlier at the bar, but now they're in the office and they start arguing basically about, yeah, like I said, some weird power play about who it affected more. Oh, sorry. I must've jumped to that earlier. Um, but they're basically arguing like eight year old children, basically like whatever. Um, but Murphy does agree that, Hey, you being here made me work harder. So, I don't know if that's just because Peter was good at his job or because Murphy's boss shook her up when he came in. I don't know the the history of this situation, but either way, Peter's a good enough coworker that sure. he pushed her to work harder to a degree. So she is a nice, hardworking human who said, hey, I appreciate that. And uh, well, if he was a field reporter at one point, you think point. like he was he's probably pretty good. I mean, those people know what they're doing. Yeah, it, as it, that's where it reminds me of like Richard Engel from NBC or those guys that are just always gone. You're like, oh, gosh, he's in a war zone again. Yeah. And then if you brought him into the studio, you're like, dang, this guy's actually good as a freaking anchor. And we, right. We had this guy all over the globe. Um, so I'd imagine that's kind of the vibe he's got. And yeah, she should be applauding him. He's got way more real world experience in terms of like seeing news in action. I sure. think and reporting on that news that he's experienced. Yeah, yeah. And I, mm. I said I'd have to look at Murphy's character background. Maybe she was an attorney before and then went into news journalism, or maybe she worked in politics. You're not going to look at that. I'm going to look it up tonight. I'm watching every episode. <laughs> We had to find it on a weird auxiliary like we don't talk like, about that dot org. We don't talk about where we found this episode. <laughs> There's a reason nobody watches these things anymore. It's just us. It was the only download. Definitely not on any major streaming service. No, it was not. And it never will be. <laughs> um, so then we fade to credits with the implication that Peter will not be leaving. A big waste of my time. This yeah, episode. huge <laughs> waste of time. I felt the same way. I was like, Jesus, it was a little hard to get through. Yeah, it was so only 23 minutes. I appreciated <laughs> that. No ads. So I was like, all right, this weird.org, no ads. So I can breeze through this thing. But yeah, big waste of my time. If I were you, I would not go back and rewatch Murphy Brown. 
Um, I mean, unless you're into that. Yeah, sorry. You know, Go, yeah, if you're a big you're, Murphy Brown. Then, or investigative journalist, yeah, like yeah. TV station type shows. Then. Exactly. Then go watch it. But for me, I probably will not be revisiting this one too, too much. Um, <laughs> Actually, somebody do please watch it and then write to us and tell me what set they're using because I have to know. I know it's a different show. Yeah, write to us at uh, Sideshow Frazier on Instagram there, or uh, you can find me at Strip Mall Steve on Twitter. I'm ST Shackelford on Instagram. Jordan is Junko Keys 76. I think you always like over pronounce it. Like you're very articulate. You're like Junko Keys. Well, that's of course. But if I'm promoting something, then my yeah. promoter voice goes on. Hey, and welcome to where we can talk about where you can find sideshow. I don't Frasier. use any of that stuff. I'm more, I'm more of a lurking in the background type guy. <laughs> He's a lurker. I'm a so lurker. Reach out to me. I'll uh, I'll get back to you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or some wherever you are. I'm too old to start TikTok. I'm sorry. Maybe one day. That's like where I get speaking of news. That's where I get like the main source of my news information is from TikTok. Don't do that. You're going to go down a bad place, man. <laughs> Don't do that. Anyway, well, we'll see you next week uh, for episode 11 of Frasier. It's death becomes him and we'll have a new sideshow for you. So thanks for joining us. Woo!